This podcast contains discussions about mental health and may contain discussions about suicide and self-harm. If you or somebody that you know is experiencing distress or is in immediate danger, dial triple O or call Lifeline on 131114 or Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. Also, if you believe that someone you love is experiencing a mental health issue, please encourage them to go and talk to their GP as soon as possible. Thanks very much for listening. Hello folks and welcome to episode 45 of our podcast. Um, how do we get to episode 45? That's really incredible. When I think about it, but um, episode 45 nonetheless, Adam's my name, host, creator, producer, I don't know, um, I still haven't figured out a decent title for myself for this podcast, but um, I'll get there eventually. Um, a couple of things to go through, we're, we're kind of getting the ramping up a little bit on the, uh, the social media again lately, thankfully I discovered how to link my Instagram and Facebook profiles together and I've figured out how to schedule posts which has been a bit of a little bit of a game changer. I know I'm probably a little bit behind. It took me a little while to get that together but um, that's been kind of cool so I can schedule a couple of days ahead which is really nice and they just kind of go up and I don't have to think about them. So rather than having to spend a little bit of time every day I can just spend you know, an hour or two every few days or a week or so and it's kind of kind of cool to be able to do it that way. So we're doing our social media posts a bit differently and love to see you uh, interact with us a bit more on social media. Uh, we do we do put a, occasionally put posts up where we directly ask questions of the groups and of the audience, the people on the page. So love for you if you're on the Facebook pages, love for you to um, jump on and, and interact. And But more importantly, um, if you are on the Facebook pages or if you're not on the Facebook pages, I should say on the Instagram and those sorts of things, um, jump on and like the pages for us and share them when you see something you like, it's really important to us. And it one of the ways I guess we get our message out there, as I've said before, we don't have a budget. We're not a big organization. We don't have lots of resources. It's just two people and um, a bit of a punk rock do it yourself attitude. And we're trying to get out there and change the world a little bit. So any help that you can give us would be fantastic. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about is at the moment, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, but it is uh, mental health month. Um, tomorrow, it's the 9th of October here at the moment, so tomorrow is World Mental Health Day. Take a moment to uh, think about your mental health, but more importantly tomorrow, take a moment to um, do something really special for yourself, you know, do some self-care tomorrow. Um, one of the ways I think we really manage our mental health is having a, a really solid self-care routine. It doesn't need to be big stuff, it could just be something as simple as uh, giving yourself 5 or 10 minutes of peace and quiet every day, and um, and giving yourself just a bit of space to to enjoy a little bit of quietness. Um, of course, this month we're doing the, or I'm doing the One Foot Forward Walking for Mental Health Challenge for Black Dog, the Black Dog Institute here in Sydney, Australia, or here in Australia. Uh, Black Dog is a, a really incredible organisation that does some really good work in and around mental health and mental health awareness. Um, and we're trying to raise, uh, collectively as a team, we're trying to raise a couple of thousand dollars for Black Dog, but also trying to raise about... Uh, Trying to raise about a thousand dollars personally by walking fifty kilometres this month for Black Dog. So, 
anything that you can do to help us out with that, that would be fantastic. But otherwise, um, jump on and, and support Black Dog and 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 let's just keep having these conversations about mental health because it's so important to be to be talking about this and and really getting people's getting people's attention and getting our messages out there. Uh, now on to tonight's episode. Uh, this episode is a really interesting one for me. This is a a, a woman that I met about eight years ago now. Uh, her name is Shay. And uh, Shay is, uh, I think there's that thing where uh, there's a certain perception about mental health, you know, about the type of people that have mental health. And um, if you are standing on the outside looking in at, at Shay and Shay's life, you would sort of see that there's, you, you, you'd be mistaken for thinking that it's it's kind of perfect, you know. Um, she works really hard. She's got a good job. She's in a good relationship. Uh, lives in a nice, you know, nice house. Um, has a couple of really lovely kids, and it, it's just a beautiful family. She's a beautiful looking uh, woman, and it's one of those situations where you kind of look and go, you know, your life is perfect. How can you have a mental health issue? And 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 I don't think that that's the case necessarily, but it's certainly one of those. Um, certainly, I think sometimes is the the thought process behind process behind. Uh, some people's ideas around what mental health is and isn't. Um, Shay, a, a while back now, actually shared uh, a post on, on Instagram about her mental health and, and how proud she was of herself for taking time out to look after herself. And um, and that and, and not to sort of give too much away because, you know, I'd like Shay's, to tell Shay's story. Um, but that involved being an inpatient at a psychiatric facility uh, voluntarily for a period of time and um you know really interesting to sort of then talk to her and, and i guess it's the the maxim rings true and it's almost a cliche it's sometimes it's a bit of a throwaway even where we sort of sit there and go you know you don't know what everyone's story is you know treat everyone kindly and, and it becomes a bit of a like i said a bit of a throwaway but um as i said externally to look at shay's life and to then hear her story and examine and, and as her friend and as someone who's known her for a long time I had no idea that this was her story. I had no idea. And and admittedly, we weren't um, talk on the phone every day kind of friends. We were work friends and colleagues and, and people who interacted on that level. But I had no idea that that was Shay's story. And that was really interesting for me to sit and have this conversation with her. Um, it's incredibly brave. It's incredibly honest. Um, by Shay's own admission, it's a little bit scattered. Um, she does go off on tangents occasionally, but it's really interesting. It's a long one. This one's uh, about an hour and 40. I might, I'm going to try and cut a little bit out of this, but um, I'll, I'll leave it pretty much together. Um, but particularly the second half of this is really interesting about the process that she went through to, to, to kind of get on the road to recovery and and is still managing that. Um, mental health is a, an ongoing battle and she's still managing her mental health and still working really hard to look after her mental health and her and her well-being and fortunately now being really honest and and really open about her mental health and this is a fantastic conversation so for anyone that's out there male or female you know, ladies obviously if you're listening to this um there's some stuff for you to take away but men if you're listening to this as well you know um Shay's story is all about for me is all about um overcoming a certain level of adversity and having the strength to um, ask for help, accept help, and the strength to work on herself to be the very best version of herself that she can be. And, um, and I think that's something that she should be really proud of. So, 
Uh, without further ado, as we always do, let's ask Shay the question. Shay, how you going, mate? <laughs> you can have a drink of water if you want. That's oh, fine. I just like to shock people. I like you to do. make make people nothing nothing changes. Just surprise them, give them um a very little warning. But um, <laughs> I don't want it. I don't want people to hear me. Don't worry, we can edit that out. We can, we can edit that out. That's fine. I drink all the time. People don't. I, I don't think people actually listen that strongly. They don't really go. You know what's he doing? They don't worry too much. I, I've had dogs barking. Yeah. Yeah. We recorded uh, actually just the other day. I recorded on the back deck, and I could hear kids playing in the background. So that'll be an interesting one. Uh, what would have been cool? My backyard is on the George's River. Yes, I know. You had water water views a while back, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I have water in my house, <laughs> up to my knees. <laughs> the oh, perks no. of living on George's River. Oh, no. um, that would have been cool to do it out there. Yeah. If it was warm enough. I don't know. Anyway, well, we're, we're set up in the office. We'll come back and do it again one day, and we'll run it <gasps> through. Yeah, so we'll have like an update. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We've done, um, so we've had a couple multiple episodes, um, done Simon and Blake, they've been on a couple of shows. Um, Nath's done four episodes, I can't keep Nath off. Um, oh, really? Oh, I want to yeah. be like Nath. And, um, Me and Nath can be buds. Oh, you and Nath will get along, yeah. And uh, then I just recorded with my friend Eliza the other day, so I've had a husband and wife on the show. Really? On episode after each other, yeah. Our first international guests. Can I say this while we're like on recording? Okay. What might? <laughs> it's just a suggestion. Yes, go. You can cut it out. But like, have you thought about doing it from like when you say a couple? Yep. Like a couple that one person has mental health or a journey to tell, and oh. the other one doesn't really understand. Do you know? Do you know a couple like that? Um, <laughs> not personally, <laughs> I do. Is there, is there a person in this house that <laughs> might fit that? Sleep next door. <laughs> oh, he um, snores, doesn't he? <laughs> Oh, you've seen my videos. Yeah, I've seen, seen your videos. Don't worry. I'll, Maybe you can edit that out. I'll, I was like, try not to snore. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, actually, that could be the next one if you guys want to do that, for sure. Yeah, I think that... Yeah. I think it's important. I think that, you know, I'm... I try and teach him from what I know... Yeah. ...about me and what I go through every day. Yep. And God love him, he... Is still with me. <laughs> he perseveres. <laughs> it's challenging. I, I get that. It is challenging yeah. for him. But um, it's not embedded into him. Yeah. Yeah. If that, yeah, if that they, they, they sort of say that there's like pretty much three types of people. Like there's those of us that have experienced it and get it, right? There's those of us that kind of kind of get it. They're, they're, they're like sympathy sympathizers yeah yeah we get it and then there's just people that just don't get their heads around it at all yeah like they it's just like not that they don't want to yep. it's just it does it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense it it doesn't exist it's it's not real it's in your head so how can it be you know like i can see a broken leg i can see a cut in like your a arm disability yeah 
Exactly like disability. <laughs> yeah, it's like every other disability. Like everyone would think Mason's just. I can see a wheelchair, but I can't Mason. see autism. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh my God, he's Mason. He's just the cutest little boy. And yeah. he, he possibly could not hold up a school. <laughs> <laughs> no. He doesn't destroy rooms. He does not destroy Surely. rooms. He does not climb over fences. He doesn't run away. He, um, because they, he looks perfectly. Neurotypical. Yeah. He's not in a wheelchair. He's not Neurotypical. Look at you using the words. (laughs) I learnt that word (laughs) and I've just run with it. (laughs) You you know, the beautiful thing is sometimes you figure out those big words and then you just keep using them because they sound really good. Do you know what? I know a person. I won't name names in case they listen. (laughs) That has, gets like a, like a word, yeah. and I probably do the same thing actually because you know I just overuses it, overuses it yeah. until it's like used, and I'm just like stop using it. You sound dumb now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're killing me. You like hurt my head. Yeah, I'm like no more, no more. So you're here because people. The thing that my friends are starting to realise, right, is we don't offer suggestions for the show. You didn't offer a suggestion, but people go, hey, you should do a show on this. And then my reply is, cool, when do you want to record, right? <laughs> um, but you're in a similar boat to Nath. We talked about Nath, where I saw some glimpses of Nath's story online. Um, you were a little bit more sort of open about it. You were talking about your mental health online. And I reached out and said, hey, what's what's gone on for you? And Thank you for that. Well, the me- the reply message blew me away because, as we said on off air, you know, and and even even though you know what mental health looks like, there's still people where you just go, "What you? Like, I had no idea." And that was my response when I saw your message. I was like, "No," mm-hmm. like, and I I guess I kind of knew you'd been through some stuff. Yeah, I think that when we were working together and. You know, we had a really, we've always had a really good relationship. Yep. And from the moment you interviewed me, you changed my <laughs> life. That's your like claim to fame. <laughs> <laughs> you, you gave me that chance that I didn't think anyone would because yeah, yeah. I had no self esteem whatsoever. Um, I wasn't even going to show up that day. Like, I remember that day like it was yesterday. Yeah. And I just got really lucky that you're in the room and you're. Yeah. I remember you presence. had super long hair. You yes. like really long yes. hair. Long black hair. And so hair. this tiny little long haired girl walks in and goes and and we're gonna reveal lots of stuff about you, so tell me when I you know, if I say too much, but oh, goes, Yeah, like I'm young and look I'm, when where it's just nothing's off limits. Well <laughs> But she walks in and Maybe. she goes, I've got I'm twenty one, I've got two kids and I've done some study and I wanna be a disability worker. And I think I've said this to you. I'm sure I've said this to you, but like I'm a child of a single mum, yep. so single mums always I'm always there on their side. And that's that. I've always remembered that. Yeah. Because when you taught me my cert for in disability, Jeez, man, I've really had an effect on your life, haven't I? God. You gave me a job. <laughs> you helped me get through my certificate because you're like one-on-one sessions. You're not doing your assignments. Got to get them done. Can only save you once, so I couldn't save you the second time. <laughs> and I would have never got through that course, actually, if you didn't, just didn't offer me that support that I needed. 
but you have like, you know, we've had a lot of one-on-one chats and, you know, I have always, it's hard to, I don't know, it's hard to say now, but I've always felt that I could trust you and I always tried to, every time we spoke, disclose that little bit more about me because I didn't, Hmm. at that time, I was so young and I was in a situation that I didn't know how to navigate myself Hmm. and like, you know, in that moment, in that time where, you know, I was was struggling, but I couldn't just Hmm. tell you, I was Hmm. like, he's just got to pick up on my vibes (laughs) and I dropped like hints here and there. And give you a bit of a, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going through some stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's really interesting as well. Though. There's a, I think there's a male-female thing. Like I'll pick up on men really easy, really get it really easy. Um, and I'm pretty in tune with women, generally speaking. Um, you know, being a son, like I'm a single mum, so I, I get women. And we bonded over that. And um, but um, yeah, I really the. Like I said, the reaction was when I when you when you sent that message back and said this is what's going on for me. I went, shit. Like I didn't see any of that coming. I kind of guessed itself for same stuff, and I think you'd actually had touched on the DV stuff as well. But I kind of guessed at the self esteem stuff because you, you kind of you get women who have no confidence who should have confidence, and you go, why don't you have confidence? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it about yourself yeah. that you don't particularly like? And why don't you like it? And everyone has their insecurities. Everyone has but... their insecurities, yeah. I, I say to my my older daughter all the time, she goes like, you know, she she talks about the, the pressure to look a certain way. And my sweetheart, the pressure to look a certain way has always been there. It's probably more pronounced now in a social media world. But as I always say to her, I was never the best looking dude in the room. I was never the dude that, like, I walked in and women went, <gasps> you know. <laughs> I was... As Ilya so, says, it's the personality. Well, that's why I became the loudest <laughs> dude in the room. That's why I became... Because then you had everyone's attention. <laughs> that's, that's why. Um, but that's the truth of it. Like, it's like... Okay, and, but the thing is in that as well is about... But the, the thing with that as well is about recognising what are the things that are your strengths, what are you good at, what are the things that you do well, and going, right, okay, this part of me is not 100%, but this part over here, well, I'm going to double down on that. That, that thing, I'm going to make that my thing. So nobody, and there was a guy. I don't. You probably knew him um, at work for Edmets at the time. Um, that women loved. He was a he was a casual support worker, and um, and I remember uh, women no, used no, to no, no, stop no. him and take photos with him. Mm. I knew a person that couldn't speak when they were in his presence, right? Like literally, could not form words with her mouth. Now I've never had that effect on women, um, so that's why, like I said, I became the loudest. But. Yeah, but you don't let people not talk. <laughs> you, double, like, you double down. You, you double down on your skills. That's what you do. That's all it is. You take the stuff that you're good at, you make it You make it your best qualities. Yeah, you make it work. So, your, so the message that you sent me, the question... Yeah, should I read it? I'm, I'm happy to read it. Oh, if you want to read it out, yeah, for I sure. I forget, to be honest. <laughs> let me have a look. But the, 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 the message ultimately was like really honest. You got it? You found it? I All found right, it. Read it out. Okay. Um okay. So I put up a story. Yep. Okay. So this is probably when I cuz I was very very much like 
no one I, I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want anyone to know. I wanted no. to be that Instagram perfect, perfect mom, perfect life, perfect house, perfect partner. Yep. Nothing's wrong with me. Yep. I'm like totally fine. I don't have historical problems. Yep. Everything's just been smooth sailing for me. I'm successful. I'm this, I'm that. I'm in control. Got it all covered. Yeah. Yep. And I wanted to portray that that person. And then I think that's when I started kind of being like, you know what? Like I can't keep I, the advice I was given was you're wearing your mask too much mm-hmm. and it's going to do some serious damage yeah. in your future. You need to slowly remove that mask mm. because people think you're like, a, you're just, when people actually know your story, they, they don't believe you. Mm. My psychiatrist, so I see a psychiatrist regularly mm-hmm. um, who manages my medications um, and he says that, so basically I, I had to recount 10 years of my life and I had to write it all down and he had to read it. And he said, I could make a book out of this. He's like, this is like the craziest mm. thing. Like it could be a movie. You could write a book, like you'd sell books. Like this is like, doesn't seem like real. Mm. And I was like... I wonder how many other people could be going through this. And then I don't, I always thought, I'm not going to tell people because I'm going to put on social media, people think like, oh, you're just fishing for sympathy or, mm. you know, you want, you, you fishing for likes or followers and stuff. And that's never my intention. Mm. And I, but at the time I was like, no way, like people are just going to think that I'm just, you know, one well, of those people that yeah. want, want, comments and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. stuff um and then i sort of started getting the courage um okay so this is what i what i this is the post yep okay oh this is a post okay. this is the story okay it says on this day one year ago i was braver than i ever ever thought i could be i'd been away from my kids for five weeks when those photos were taken as i finally took the biggest step i'd ever have to make to get better one i never thought i was brave enough to take boy oh boy reflecting on that time it was so hard but i'm so glad i did it sometimes in life you have to take a big leap of faith to get better and i'm so glad i did it never sell yourself short of living the life you deserve now the interesting thing when i because I remember the lip episode. Remember when you had that time off work because your lips blew up? Oh, my God. <laughs> so the interesting thing is when I first read that, I the very first couple of lines I thought five weeks away from my kids. So the first thought went into my head was she flew to Thailand and got shit done. She's done <laughs> some lip injections she's again. Done and, some and shit. <laughs> she's had like bum injections or something. Like she's done something Brazilian weird. Brazilian butt lift. <laughs> and then I read the next couple of lines and there's a little thing about getting better in there. And I was like, oh, okay, that's... That's telling, like that's interesting. Yeah. What's she getting better from? Yeah. And then that was, I'd sent you the message. And then you wrote, what did you do? Yeah. And I wrote, I went to an inpatient clinic for six weeks. And then you wrote mental health and I said yes. (laughs) Right. And then you said, how are you going? How are you going now? Yep, because that's what I do. How are you going? You you do. (laughs) I start calling everyone mate now because I reckon mate's our thing. And I just wrote, I must have been like, just like wanting to just, the beans to yep. <laughs> yeah. that night. 
at 8.27 on the 19th of November. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think what I was doing. Yeah. No, no idea. Um, so I just wrote to you, it's been a year now. Um, it's been such a long road to recovery. I was really, really sick. I couldn't even think. I lost my memory, constant flashbacks. People would talk to me and I could only hear background noise. I was so depressed. I got diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and borderline personality disorder, which is shit. Mm -hmm. But I'm on medication. I see my psychiatrist every month and I'm doing a lot better. Crazy how fast the year has gone. Didn't think I would make it to see this year, to be honest. Wow, I was really honest with you. Mm. So crazy how our minds work. Very powerful things they are. Mm. And you read, I'm so happy to see that you're doing better. Keep doing what you need to do to stay well and keep being brave enough to tell your story. Here I am. Here you are. 43 weeks later. Gave you some time. Gave you some time. You did. But I had you earmarked on it, but this is the thing. The trick on this as well is... Um, I think you, you know, have to be ready. Like You have to be ready. Because I wasn't... I'm. Su- that was a big thing for me to say. I didn't think I would see this year. What did I say? Yeah. I didn't think I'd, be, I'd make it to see this year, and that is just the honest truth. There's so much to pull out of that that thing. What were the first signs? What like what were the first things where you went, man, something's wrong? You, we said off air that you other people went, nah, dude, something's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my behaviour became erratic. Mm. I my mind was really foggy. I was having like short term memory. Mm. loss it's like like my mind wasn't in my head yeah i don't know that makes sense um i was just my anxiety i just i couldn't talk to people i was just found it so hard to go to work i just was just physically ill every day um what did you think it was originally did you initially did you go like i'm just working too hard i'm too stressed i'm yeah, them. I just put it down. Because I know you that. work like an absolute yeah, like Trojan. That. So, But I've always <clears throat> used, and people say like, oh my God, you've worked so hard. You've done this, you've done that. But I'm like, and now I can confidently say that I worked because I it, it was my safe place. Mm. Because I didn't have to go home. Mm. The longer I worked, <laughs> the safer I was. Yeah. Um, and then it just became a habit. That I just work and work and work because you keep your mind busy. You're thinking about other things, thinking about other people. You're, you know, you've got so many tasks on your mind and checklists and everything like that that you don't have time to to think. But then it started just I didn't have that wasn't working anymore. Mm. I, I couldn't focus on what I was doing. I it was really weird that I you know only happened you know quite recently you know in the last three years that um I started I think when I started working when I left Asian and I had to park it was a semi-underground car park where I parked Mm. but I did say it was an underground car park and I started getting like 
really bad anxiety when I was went in there. Okay. And now I have answers to that, that it's a flashback. Mm-hmm. So I have really bad flashbacks to underground car parks, certain smells, mm-hmm. um, like certain men's like deodorant and that kind of thing. Um, I have a fear of, and, you know, I try and break the fear, but I have a fear of homeless people, not because they're homeless, because I always thought that that's what I was going to be. Yeah. I had to work with this hard to not be homeless yeah. because I was so scared. I just had it in my mind. I'm going to be homeless. Wow. I just couldn't. And just an irrational anxiety response fear. Yeah, yeah. So irrational. And <laughs> now I think about it, I'm like, that, that wouldn't. But, you know, at a time I did feel homeless when I was quite young. Yeah. With our lot. Um, I didn't have a place to call home you know i was kind of just staying at my sisters and i stayed at my cousins and i went to my mom's and my story is massive and you know i was technically homeless at that point mm. um yeah well that's couch surfing is homelessness that's people don't think it is yeah, but it is it is it's yeah. on the census and um i can remember <laughs> You saying one time that the kids were well versed in saying, We got no money. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> we got no money. So oh, yeah. I guess the picture I have in my head is like at that stage <laughs> also. And, and driving this, I'm no psychologist and this is 10 cent psychology, right? But it, it's that idea of I'm a young mum, I'm a young woman who's trying to support a couple of kids on your own for a period of time. Mm. So that homeless thing, that, that threat of, if this all falls apart, I'm in real trouble mm-hmm. here. That's real. Like I that's could, real. I could never address. I've probably suffered with severe mental health since I was eighteen. Okay. But I was so young and naive, and I thought if I spoke up, if I told anyone, my kids would get taken away from me. I was going to say, because at this point, it's worth noting that you're a mum at that point. Like, you're, yeah. you're a really young mum. Yeah, well, I had Ella when I was 17. Yeah. I was pregnant when I was 16. So, even that was, you know, a traumatic experience in itself because I was still, I was a teenager. I was still developing. My mind yeah. was still developing. Um, I, you know, I didn't want to leave the house. I couldn't leave the house. Everyone would just stare at me really weird and like, mm. well... And because you're tiny, at some point and it would have looked really weird. It looked really weird because now people think that I'm like 19 and I'm 29. <laughs> so could you imagine when a 16-year-old's walking around pregnant looking like they're 11? <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's true. It's like, why is this 11-year-old pregnant? Like, what the hell? So, yeah, I just never... And then when I got, you know, my job, I was like, I cannot let this go like yeah. half regardless of how i feel regardless i i gotta go to work because if i get fired i'm not gonna get another job i'm gonna be homeless mm-hmm. i'm not gonna have any money i'm just gonna be homeless. so really it's That's just my fear comes it's just from. it's that fear that of the person that you know even though you've got a good family who love you and support you but you feel unsupported you feel like you're not gonna but at know. that point i had pushed so many people away that I was like, oh, well, I really don't have anyone. Mm. But in saying that, if I had called and said, I need help, I'd get help. Like my mom, like 
everyone would come and help me. Yeah, yeah. But in my mind, I was like, I've just pushed so many people away that because I couldn't be honest with them. One of my favorite things is the thing that Nate said in one of those very first episodes, and I still think it's absolutely true. That is, your mental health will tell you you're alone. It'll tell you that those people won't help you. Yeah. It'll tell you that they won't understand, you know. It does. Um, and, and absolutely, like I just think that's the truest thing in the world. And that's why we isolate. That's why we don't go out for help. That's why we don't open up to people. Yeah. Because what are you going to say about me? Yeah. What are you going to think about me? Yeah. And particularly, as you said, you know, you determined to have this insta-perfect lifestyle. Yeah, like I had to put up a front for such a long time. It just became me. So, yeah. That I was fine. Life was great. Yeah. I just had everything going for me. You know, I was young. I was working my way up the ladder. I, you know, mm. had beautiful kids. You know, I had nice clothes. And <laughs> realistically, my life was... Good. But not. <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good in inverted commas. <laughs> yes, yeah. oh yeah, no one can see Yeah, us. and it's it's interesting. It's like, um, I've heard a couple of versions of that, um, the mask thing. It's like the windows. So, you know, we have one window open and we let people see in that window, but that's the room that's like really well kept and tidy yeah. and everything looks perfect, where the rest of the house is a shambles. Or people see the highlight reel. Mm-hmm. They see the, the good parts of the, the, the life. They don't, you know, they see the trailer. They don't see the... Hmm. You know, they don't see the shit that we go through every day or the, you know, the rubbish parts of it. Yeah. They'll see the bits that we want them to see. Yeah. And and look, that's true. I, I I reveal a lot more about myself on the How You Go Mate stuff than I would on my actual Facebook page. But that's true for my Facebook yep. I, or my social media. You'll only see hmm. the nice bits that I really want you to see. Yeah. Because you'll never see the... <laughs> partly also because <laughs> my mum's on my Facebook page and I don't want her to go... Oh, shit, he should have... Why didn't he tell me about this <laughs> yeah, in real life? Yeah. <laughs> so, who, who, so the point where you actually said, right, I've got to go get help now. Where, where, how does that happen? Mm. Does that happen with you deciding it? Or is that a bunch of people that love you going, mm, Shay? Yeah, so I was in... I was going through a court case. <clears throat> Sorry. I was... Um, currently going like I had just gotten an ABO out I um you know on a person <laughs> I don't know how to explain but I had an active ABO yep um and there was a lot of things going on in my life at that time mm. and I wasn't coping with that as I explained before like I was yeah. very foggy my memory I was very manic like I my moods were very, very irregular. Like I was so up That's and That's that borderline down. personality stuff as yeah, well. Yeah, which yep. I had no idea that I even had that. Mm. And then I'm like, oh, when I, you know, got all my, like my diagnoses and stuff and my psychiatrist was making sense of my life, I was like, wow, like <laughs> I've been doing this <laughs> for 10 years. Was that a relief? Years. Was that a relief for you? Was that like, <laughs> were you like, shit, man, I finally make sense. Yeah, I think in a way it, it was a relief because I knew that, okay, something's wrong with me and now we know which avenue to go to manage it. Mm. But then I'm like, now is it so in my head that this is what I have that I need to act a certain way to reflect it? 
Mm. It's a bit hard to explain, but... Um, Everyone around you is going, nah, Shay, you're already doing it. Don't worry, you don't need to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get it. I just, got, I just got so tired of pretending. I just got... My mask got worn out. Like, mm. I was that burnout. I was just like, I can't do it i'd go to woolies and i remember yeah one day i went to woolworths and i called my sister just crying saying like you know i just i'm just hearing background noise Mm. like can you call up i think ella was at her friend's house can you call you know ella's friend's mom and and tell her like you know you're gonna go and get her because i can't i was like having a panic attack in the mm. in the sh- woolies like i was bawling my eyes out mm. and i was like this just something does this doesn't normally happen to me yeah, i'm normally good. like full of smiles and stuff as soon yeah. as i step out of the house you know i'd never go out without makeup on i'd always have my hair done i always look presentable um and that was just the, my persona that was just and everything's great yeah 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 um yeah, and then it's hard. so when I went there, yeah, so I'd been researching a lot about inpatient clinics. So I was yeah. like, you know what, I just might go to Bali and like do one of those retreat things. Mm-hmm. It's like fully relaxing and stuff. And then I really thought about it and I was like, that's not going to get to the crux of actually what's going on for me. And I researched a lot of different um Inpatient clinics, I researched um, about health insurance. Mm -hmm. I looked at how much it would cost to go in. Mm -hmm. I called um, the Hills Clinic where I stayed, and I have stayed three times now, Mm -hmm. as an inpatient, um, was one that kind of popped up straight away for me, and I read a lot about it, and it, I don't know, I just got a good vibe Mm. from what I read. Um, Very person-based you went in there um and you got your own psychiatrist so you'd get the intake team would get a whole list of things that were happening for you at that time um and then when you got there you would be assigned a psychiatrist that specialized in that kind of field um yeah so i i did that and then i called because i didn't have health insurance at the time Mm. Um, and I called them and I said, you know, how much is it to stay? And they were like, oh, it's like $22,000 for three weeks. And I was like, okay, I won't be coming. <laughs> Looks like partly it is. Yellow <laughs> yeah, dollar's just, nice this time of year. Yeah, I might just go to Lake Condola. Um, <laughs> I, um, I was like, okay, so I'm not, okay, okay, bye. I'm not coming. <laughs> and then I, um, because with health insurance as well, I thought, okay, if you have a pre-existing condition or whatever, like you, you're not going to get, like you have to wait longer. Yeah, yeah. But then I was like, wait, no one knows. Like it's not pre-existing. It's not on any files right now. No. I'm just showing signs and symptoms of something. Losing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I got health insurance and I had to wait two months. So for psychiatric, which is really good to note, actually. Yep. I've been with Latrobe, I've been with AHM, and I've been with HCF. Uh, if they want to sponsor me, I'm really like... <laughs> <laughs> this podcast proudly brought to you by HCF. <laughs> HCF for all of your psychiatric 
Health needs. Psychiatric needs. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, all of them are really the same. Even if it's pre-existing, um, it's a two-month wait period. Yeah. Which in the grand scheme of things, I waited many, many years to do this. Yeah, nearly 30 years to do me, it Yeah. That I was like, okay, I can wait two months. I'm, I'm okay. It'll give me enough time to try and do my work. <laughs> get the courage to tell my work yeah. it'll give me enough time to sort the kids out you know sort my relationship out i was in a very new relationship at that time <laughs> <laughs> sorry i, I, I sort of tell by the way darling i love you but um <laughs> look we've just gone into a relationship but i am quite you know <laughs> from the from the get-go i tried to be as transparent as i could that yeah. you know i had been in a domestic violence relationship and I wore, you know, I've been through a lot mm. and so have my kids and... I don't want know, that anymore. I can't have that. Like, if you can't accept that, then let's just mm. leave it here. Like, it's all it's all fine. Like, mm. well, we're good. Um, but we we continued to work on it. I continued to, got, to get more and more unwell. Mm. Um, I just... <laughs> Couldn't even, couldn't even function. Just like when I say my head was foggy, like it was literally like you would talk like right now, if, like if this was me three years ago and you were talking to me right now, yeah. I could I wouldn't be able to tell you what like I wouldn't be able to record what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I would just hear the background noise. Yeah. I would, I wouldn't take in what you were saying. I couldn't retain information. Mm. It was scary. Yeah. I was really scared. And then, um, yeah, I just didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to get out of bed and yep. all that. So um, I called my mom one day and I said, I'm really sick. I'm really, really sick. She's like, what's wrong? You have the flu? Like, I'm going to come over and help mm. you. And I'm like, no, like, like I don't want to be alive anymore. Mm. Like, I, I'm done. I'm done. I can't. I can't do this. Like. I'm so sick. Like I just, my head, my head's going to explode. Like mm. the, the racing thoughts, the flashbacks, the, and that was a thing that I had never experienced. So I went 10 years in a domestic violence relationship, physical, mm. psychological, financial, mm. all of the func- all of them. functions of domestic violence. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure it, what they all are mm. but all of them and the person that was the perpetrator mm-hmm. um did like three domestic violence courses he didn't learn anything <laughs> <laughs> he got really good at it by the end but he knew the ins and outs of just yeah. how to just you know learn the tricks of the trade yeah, yeah, i yeah. mean he was in a room full of domestic violence people he knew what you figure out what to say what to what, yeah. what to say to make people think you're okay and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yes. Um, and with, okay, so I just need to say this, like with my mental health conditions, I do still struggle with short-term memory. Mm-hmm. Um, I have lost a lot of memory from like, I could, it's intermittent. Like someone could talk to me about something. Oh my God. Okay. It's a little bit into the future. Okay. Let, okay. I get, I lose my train of thought 
a lot. Yep. So I'm really sorry. <laughs> it's, it's it's my mind. <laughs> I just I need to tell you a lot of things. Have you been diagnosed with ADD? <laughs> I, I haven't. No, oh, I no. probably had that to the list. <laughs> Look, I actually have an appointment with my psychiatrist this week, so I might I might just bring it up. We, we had been on <laughs> actually. Funnily, we had been on a couple of um couple of episodes ago and uh, he talked about being diagnosed with that old AD, ADD. Yeah, right. And um, he's saying, you know, like, I'd lose my train of thought, I would forget to do things, yeah. I'd have these great ideas but never carry on through mm. with them. Oh my God, yeah, that's and I'm me. Like, and I'm like, <laughs> mate, my wife calls me half a job Holstein yeah. and everything you're saying is like just big bells going yeah. off in my head right now, chiming, going boom. Yeah, like. I know. I'm Dr. Google too, so I'm like, I have everything. <laughs> just just throw it all at me. I'm so... Like, okay, so can you... This is, I don't know how many people are going to listen to me. That would be good. Um, okay, so I was saying that I rang my mum. Yep. I said I'm really sick. Yep. Um, I just said, you know, I, I don't want to live anymore. Yep. I would call her almost every night and cry myself to sleep. I, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I, um, so I only started having nightmares and flashbacks about three and a half years ago. So even though, I was out of the relationship. I just started a new relationship, which took a lot of courage because if anyone knows a perpetrator of domestic violence, as it might ease off on you for a little bit. Um, and then they come back 10 times worse when they find out you're in a relationship. They're they're okay to to know that you're not with anyone. Yeah. So, but as soon as they find out, that's when they come for you. And he came for me big time. Mm. And I feared for my life every day. I was just like, you know what? Like, I can't do this anymore. I'm so tired. Mm. I'm tired. I'm just mm. so tired. Um, like what? Like why? <laughs> this has to always happen. Just let me be free. Mm. I was in jail. I was in jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> like, it was it was just horrific. And I only started having nightmares and flashbacks, yeah, about four years ago. I would that's a that's an approx. Mm. Um and I'd call my mom every night and I would cry mm. and I'd just say, I, I don't wanna be here anymore. Like I can't do it. Like I just don't wanna wake up in the morning. Like, you need to help me, you need to come and get me. Like, I need someone to, and I, you know, she'd just talk me through it, talk me down, I guess, talk me off the ledge. The the brain's this brilliant machine, right? And it's basically designed to keep you alive, right? It's basically, it's constantly looking for shit that's going to kill you, right? That's what it does, physically and mentally. Mm -hmm. And the thing I've read about the, the emotional trigger response is it is your brain going, we've been in this situation before, this was really dangerous, get the hell out of here. Yeah, I was shutting down. And that that's a really basic understanding. And as I said, I'm no psychiatrist no. or psychologist, but to me, I'm hearing, like I always joke with people, 
So my my depression was out of um, my marriage breakdown. It was locked in beforehand, your, but but that's what triggered it for fir- me. Your first marriage. Yeah, yeah. So basically all you've got to do is avoid that situation, right? Except I got married again. <laughs> and and not quite as severe, but I had to go back and talk to my counsellor when that whole process was happening because I was like being an asshole, mm. Not having the same response mm. that you had, but I was just mm. being an asshole, And it was like, mate, this isn't the first marriage. Yeah. And it was it was a Wait, reasonably simple compliment. How many compl- times have you been married? Twice. Oh, okay, yeah. Twice. I was, so, pr- I'm pr- I was pretty sure twice. Yeah. But then it so, kind of like three. <laughs> so for me though, I mean, you know, if I'm sitting here listening to you, I'm hearing you go, yeah, it was basically my mind going, Shay, this wasn't good before. This really, this is danger. Get us out of here. Yeah, yeah. And I just constantly was like in fear of just my life. Yeah. My children. They would always be used, you know, children. They get used as pawns. bait and yep. pawns. Um, my relationship, I had, you know, I was finally in a relationship that, you know, this man was so kind to me and treated me. And I was like, wait, what are you doing? <laughs> you don't open the door for me. <laughs> like, don't be nice to me. Don't be nice to me. Don't kiss me hello. That That's not how relationships are. Yeah. I had to learn, relearn, like how to be loved. How to be loved. I was like, no one, no one will love me, mm. no one. And I was told that every day for ten years. No one else will love you. Yeah, uh, probably longer than ten years. Yeah. So I first met. We'll call him the perpetrator. Is that yeah. okay? We'll call him perp. Yeah. Yeah, I was calling perp. Um, I first met him when Ella was six months old, so she'll be thirteen in. June next year. Hmm. So, and I've only been able to stop the, like, um, psychological, um, it was still like I was in active domestic violence, even though I was in another relationship. Hmm. I had nothing to do, like, you, this guy had, Except our mutual son. Mm. Like, but he still was manipulating me. Mm. Just really effing with my mind. And he went so far as, you know, to, you know, try just anything, anything he could do to break up my relationship. Yeah, it, yeah. it was happening. <laughs> it was happening. Yeah. You know, just... You know, I had to just warn Ilya, like, you're going to hear some things about me. They're not true, but I can't. Yeah. Like, I can't, I can't defend my, like, as much as I can defend myself to you, you. You've got to, you've got to believe that. You've got to believe that, you know, this is a sick man. Yeah. He, he's unwell mm. and he's going to do whatever he can to mm. just. Make me be alone forever because yeah. that's apparently all I deserve. So I had to just, and when he stuck by me, I was like, "Oh, yeah, like wow." <laughs> like, what do you think made him stick by you? You ever thought about it? Well, I Adam, let me. I'm fabulous, darling. Of course, it's me. Look, look, you guys can't see me, but I'm flicking my hair <laughs> off my shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> it actually literally is. 
I've just got up and flawless, instructed. I, I flawless. Just, look, I, I just did a catwalk <laughs> in the office. <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Have you never thought about that? Are you going to go and ask him now? What made you stay? <laughs> um, we joke a lot. Like we say, um, like we say, you know, oh, you know, we've been together. Can you believe we've been together for nearly three years? And he'd be like, yes. Very long, very hard, stressful. Yes, darling, I know. Yes. <laughs> we have a good banter. It's fun. But, um, yeah, so I had to relearn. You had to learn how to love again. You had to learn how to be loved again. You had I to learn how to be loved. Be like, accepted. Love. I didn't even know what love was. Um, being treated nicely was having... Having clothes stolen for me to say sorry that I punched you in the face. Mm. Like, and that was, and I was so young that I was like, oh, this is normal. Mm. (laughs) I'm really interested in this question. It's going to sound really bad, but I'm really interested in this question. Off limits. Well, you. No, wait, (laughs) nothing's off limits. You've done a little bit of stuff in terms of lips and yes. different bits and pieces to I your face and, and body. Should we go through them? Not particularly. <laughs> we can if you want to. But uh, I'm more just like, how much of that stuff was an attempt to yeah. make you go, okay, if I look nice on the outside, I'll feel better on the inside? Yeah, all of it. So, um, I was just so insecure. About- okay, so you have babies. Young. Yep. Your body don't look good. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> yeah, babies older than they don't look good. I trust. Believe me. I can tell you. <laughs> Especially when you're... Stretch st- marks and that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're still like developing. And I never really thought that. I'm like, okay, I'm 16. Like yeah, I'm developed. Yet, yeah. Like, but my doctor's like, you still, you were still developing. Like, come on. Um... So I just, and I had been body shamed for so long and I was like, okay, I'm not going to be free from this relationship until I can get someone to acknowledge that I'm actually like a decent looking person. (laughs) Um, They're not going to see it through my personality because I'm a bit awkward, but I I need to do something. Um, so I spoke to my mum and I was living with my mum and dad at the time and I think it was like five. I get really lost with my timing. 2015, I got a boob job um, to make myself, because I would never like go to the beach, I'd never go to the pools, I'd never do anything mm. with the kids like that. Like I just wouldn't because I'm like, no, I can't wear swimmers. Like I have tea bag. <laughs> <laughs> like, <it> just- <laughs> I feel like I feel like we need wine. Well, <laughs> it was just literally like you're stuff. officially the first person to ever say the phrase "teabag boobs" on the podcast. I can assure you of that. Ooh, <laughs> my, my friend Eliza probably should have said something like it at some point, but she didn't. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, you know, I'm just I get awkward. Um, yeah, so I did that, um, and I was like, screwed, like. I feel good. Yeah, yeah. I can take my kids to the beach and just. And I look, I look good in the swimsuit now. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. 
But I still had the insecurities about my stomach because of my stretch marks and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but they were less. Because <clears throat> I've got good boobs now. <laughs> no one's looking at my stomach. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my self-esteem boosted a little bit, but you know, I wouldn't say it was anything dramatic. Well, it's that thing where you, okay, you've done it, but you still haven't done the stuff you need to do inside. <laughs> no. So. It was all uh, exterior and it, it, it's the mask. Yeah. It was, so the mask looks really awesome now. It looks heaps better. Better. But what's yeah. underneath the mask is still it's pretty. Dying. It's yeah. a corpse. Like it is, like, yeah. So you get into the hills. What do they, what do they talk to you about? What do what do you learn about yourself in that place that you don't already know that you really go, oh my god. Mm-hmm. So when I had to read, tell my story and write it all down, piece it all back together, mm. it was so hard. It took me days. So mm. when you go into an inpatient clinic, it's for twenty one days. Mm. So I had twenty one days with my psychiatrist, who's you know amazing and. He, every day, you know, you, you're with them every day. You can talk to them for as long as you need to. They they just learn. You tell your story. They write notes, lots and lots of lots of notes. Um, it's something that, um, so, yeah. When I read, like when I wrote out my story and kind of pieced together, my psychiatrist could tell that I have, I had missed, like, some of it didn't make sense. Mm. Timings and years and stuff like that, because I feel like all those years went into just merged, merged. Like Mm. I couldn't really remember, but and he he made it work. He actually had to like, it took him a long time to read it because he wanted to read it very thoroughly. And Mm. when that happened, when I went in there, like I started, because I just had opened things that I had shut off for a really long time, I actually went back to being my 16-year-old self. Fact. Right. Yeah. I, because I had just... Pre-Ella, pre-being pregnant, the 16-year-old girl, right? Yeah, that was, that was my mindset. That was, that was my mental capacity at that point. I, I don't know the the terms that were used, but I had reopened so many cans of worms. Like you have to be prepared to do that when you go into a mental Mm. health clinic. Um, You have to be prepared to just, like you got. Did you know, were you prepared for that? I didn't think I needed to be. I didn't know that that was something that I'd have to do. Mm. But because it was so complex, yeah. he just like kind of like now, like I, I go a bit all over the place because I'm like, okay, that happened, then this happened, then the, like I just I do yeah. lose my train of thought because it's just one big yeah. mess. Um, so all of that that I had you know, pushed away and just didn't really want to think about or Mm. um, thought about, um, you know, things in my life that I had completely forgotten about 
and then just started remembering and stuff, I actually went back to being like a 16-year-old girl. Um, I was very, very manic. My, my moods were very like up. Like I'd just be up <laughs> a lot of the time and yeah. I'd just, I wasn't taking it very seriously anymore. Yeah. Because yeah. when I was very young, like when I was like 14, 15, 16, yeah. I was just the most immature person you would ever meet in your life. Welcome to being like, 14, 15, 16. Yeah, like everything was a joke. Like yeah. everything. I just, the thing, the funny, yeah. It was a good time to be 14 and 15. Um, and yeah, it just, mm, that that was my mind. That That's where I was. And mm. I, did, I then didn't, my first time around being in the Hills Clinic, I changed a lot, but not in a good way. Mm. I wasn't taking it seriously. Mm. I was, you know, not following the rules, mm. you know. Um, and then mine and Ilya's relationship broke down. I can't exactly remember why. I think I just kind of was like, you know what? Like, I got so much. Like, I'm not me. Yeah. If this isn't who you, you started dating, like, you didn't sign up for this. No, nah, I, I, I got to go. Like, mm. this is just, you know, I'm, I'm here. Mm. You know, I think he came and saw me twice when I was there, and it was very foreign to him too, because he's mm. like, where am I? Like, what, what are you doing? Like. It's so foreign to someone that has no idea. Like, I didn't even know what to expect. I was so scared no. when I went in there. Yeah, of like, I was a ball of mess. Like, my mom would... My mom took me in. She she checked me in. Like, we went together. Like, it was all pre-booked and everything like that. I had a schedule ready for the kids and who was having them at what, what dates and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, when me and my psychiatrist started really getting down to the crux of it, I was started remembering things and then my flashbacks were getting worse and then I was kind of like rebellious stage. I was like, because I never had the opportunity to go out and have fun. You're a, you're a mom. mom. I was like, mums mm. can't do stuff like that. Um, yeah, I was at my like little rebellious stage of my life. Very weird. Mm. Very interesting. Um, yeah, so I just wasn't taking the place seriously like i just mm. wasn't going to classes i was just mucking around with people and playing pranks and you know doing doing things and yeah. then, you know Ilya came to visit me um and yeah for someone that doesn't know th- you know anything about mental health or what that is and stuff like that so um the hills is is a mental health facility and also a rehab mm-hmm. combined so there are lots of interesting people meshed in together. Yep. Um, it's different now. Um, but, yeah, so basically that was my first time. I, I had learnt that I had complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Yep. Um, I had some memory loss. Um, I had borderline personality disorder. And... And then I left. <laughs> it's such a bubble to be in yeah. a facility. Like you get, you know, fed six times a day. You, your room gets cleaned for you. You have people there 24-7. Like you have the nurses. Like you line up for your medication. You, 
you know, have someone to talk to every mm. minute of the day. You know, he's registered nurses all the time. Was it the same experience Nath described? Um, so that like you 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 don't have TV, you don't have phones, none of that mm. sort of stuff. You don't have access to the outside world, basically. No, but no, it wasn't like that. But it was. It's still a bubble, mm. and I remember like the day the day before I was a like supposed to leave. I was, like, begging my psychiatrist, like, don't let me go. Well, I can't leave. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know how to live in the real world now. Yeah. It's like as if you'd been, like, the big brother house. Yeah. And you've missed the world. Like, you've missed things. So, but really, for me, it sounds like that you're just at the... If you think about it, like, they had to strip you back down to Stripping rebuild your right kind of thing. So you, you ripped me off. You're not rebuilt at that point. I you're... wasn't. And three weeks with such complex problems, we were only halfway there. Okay. So I was stripped back and then expected to go and live. And at that point when I was back to my 16-year-old self who didn't have kids, who, you know, I didn't have the responsibilities when I was in there. Yeah, yeah. You know, I knew that they were being taken care of. It was almost like a holiday for a couple of weeks. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. And that's the first time around. That's what it was like. So how long was it between visit one and visit two? Um, like a week. So you got out and then basically went straight back in. Yeah, I knew I was going down a dark path. And it, visit two is this now? Okay, this I'm going to start taking this seriously now. Yeah. I need to mm-hmm. really knuckle down with this one. Yeah. So okay. you you get a timetable um, when you go there, um, and it tells you okay, we have morning group. Um morning meeting and then you have maybe one I think it's like three times a week you have exercise class it's like kickboxing and all that stuff I quite liked the kickboxing actually <laughs> it's a great release it is just to it's kick the shit really, out of really something and then I was is. like when I get out of here I'm gonna so be a kickboxer but anyway I didn't um, <laughs> um I was like look my work was really good yep. about me going the first time. I took three weeks off. I told them I was really honest with my boss yep. and my HR manager. Said like, my mental health isn't good. I need to go and get help. I need three weeks off. Hmm. They were good about it. Hmm. And I said, even though I had planned it in advance I didn't have the courage to tell them until like a week before I was leaving because yeah. <laughs> I was really scared <laughs> um I didn't know what they were gonna say I was like I'm either probably gonna lose my job or you know back, back to that fear of, yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. so um you know and they're really good about it there's actually a clause in contracts where you're allowed, if you're in a, or suffering from a, something to do with domestic violence, you're allowed yep. to take leave, yep. um, which I didn't know about at the time. Yep. So, yeah, it fell under I that think, category. I think now you can get paid for that. Like, you can get yeah. paid under domestic violence leave. I yeah, did. for sure. Yeah, I did. And I was very, like, wow, so grateful. Yeah. Um, and then I came out for the week and I went straight back into my normal life. Straight yeah. back to work. And straight people, back yeah, people could tell that I was acting very strange. Yeah, I'd started medication. Um, 
so that also impacted my communication, um, my train of thought, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which it still does. Um, And then I got pulled into my boss's office the week when I went straight back into it. Like I got out on, I think, the Friday. Yeah. And I was back at work on the Monday. So I didn't even have time to process any anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, everyone could tell that I was... So I had to... I got called into my um, boss's office and she had told me that someone has said that they think that I'm on drugs. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the obvious example. That's the obvious, um, you know, thing. Oh, well, it's got to be drugs. Yeah, because I remember. And it's really hard because people will say, like, you did this and you did that and stuff. And I'm like, I don't remember. Like, I don't remember. Yeah. Um, so, apparently, I was in this meeting with a speech pathologist and I was just blankly staring at her the whole time. I've, I don't even remember going having that meeting. Yeah. And I... Michelle was like, obviously, I know that you're on medication and what you're going through, but I don't want people thinking this about you. So, should we set the record straight? Should we not? And I I think at that point I said no. Like, I didn't want people to know. You know. (laughs) It's interesting because talking to Nathan about his experience with that, he told everyone because he didn't want anyone to be able to say, well, this is what's going on. Or, you know, he's on drugs or he's this or he's that or he's doing whatever. He wanted everyone to know exactly what it was so no one could talk about him behind his back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I should have gone down that road because um, people think that I was a drugger, like, just learned. on my face. So um, so the second visit, what's different from the second visit? Yeah, so, so yeah, at work, acting very, very yep. manic. Um, you know, I had to explain to my boss at the time that, um, you know, it's my medication kicking in my memory's not good i don't even remember having this thing this meeting Mm. um like blankly staring at someone in a meeting like oh my god yeah i'm mortified (laughs) yeah (laughs) better than that um yeah so and then i had to tell my mum. i need to go back (gasps) mum. yeah i'm not cured they didn't fix all my problems. <laughs> I haven't come out a new person. I've actually come out worse. And I came out worse. I came out worse, but not in a depressive state, more in a manic state. So I've just found out, like I've been stripped. I've just found out that I've got all these diagnoses, you know, mm. severe depression, anxiety, PTSD, borderline personality disorder. That's massive, like, mm. oh my god! And then, and, and it's it's so the way I I think I love to think about physical injury and mental health, yeah. right? Mm. The way I look at it, be like if you went in and had a massive car accident and had all of these physical injuries, yeah, and they went, oh, you've been here for a couple of weeks now. We think you're gonna be okay, mm. but you've still got like a broken back and your head's yeah, still bleeding and like. your legs still hanging off and you're not anywhere near. That's exactly what it's like. Repaired. Exactly. And they don't prepare you for... They do. They do. They, I shouldn't say that. They do prepare you to leave. Um, you know, they have outpatient 
programs and stuff that yeah. are available and they sign you up if you want to do it um you know and i was all signed up ready to go and they do yeah. prep you to leave um, and, to, and coping strategies so when you're in there you do um dialectical behavior therapy yep. which i prefer over other therapies that you can do yep. like cognitive behavior yep. behavior therapy yep. dialectical behavior therapy is to me so much yeah. better and then i also did a um phoenix program which had elements of addiction and addictive personalities as well um so it was really hard second time around because i was like okay i was just so silly before i recognized that um i had to tell my boss and my mom that i had to go back to go back in guys yeah i'm not ready can't be out here i'm not coping in the mm. outside world i'm just going down a deep dark hole mm. quickly mm. um so i went back in i told my boss at the time that i was yeah that i needed to go back in but i said how about this time you know i do some work while i'm in there mm. just soften the blow and <laughs> i better only go in there for two weeks instead of three so we agreed okay bit of work from rehab <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um you know so i did some bits and pieces in there probably not as much as i should have but i was there to focus on myself and mm. i just had to come to terms with the fact that i can't please everyone and i've got to do it i didn't want to leave my kids again you know i felt really bad because you know mm. they have separation anxiety now because of it mm. um but I knew that I wouldn't be here. I said, I remember the day I said to my psychiatrist that the only reason I'm alive right now is because I don't want them to suffer. Mm. I don't want them to suffer my death. Mm. I don't. Mm. And that was like a massive thing for me to even say or suggest that I was going to kill myself Mm. i just didn't know how and if if i didn't have kids i I would have that is really interesting in that as well like you know statistically speaking it's eight people a day right Mm -hmm. and six of them are men and two are women right but women are more likely to attempt suicide yeah um so it's actually much higher it's you know crazy i did a um like a year ago, I did a um, introduction into mental health first aid yep. and through Lifeline. Yep. And I just couldn't even sit through it because I was like, "This is just me. Like, I've, yeah. I've got to go. Yeah. Like, this is this is me. Like, yeah. you're describing me. Mm. Um, I need help. Yeah, <laughs> like, we, I'm and, and, the one that needs help. I can't. And we see that all the time. I can't do this. Yeah. Um, I just couldn't sit through it. Um, yeah. So the second time around. You know, the nurses, they all know, knew who I was and, you know, I had the same psychiatrist and stuff mm. and, um, you know, I, I just really knuckled down and, you know, I told him, you know, everything that I was doing when I was out for the week, um, you know, which wasn't the best. Um, and I'm just so grateful for my mom that, you know, she took the kids 
back. Yeah. Um, so I could, you know, go on my journey to get better. Yep. And, um, you know, I wasn't, I was just reading a lot of books and I was going to all of my ther- group therapy classes mm. and I was seeing my psychiatrist every day and, you know, we peeled more and more layers off the onion and, yep. um, yeah, it, it, it was, yeah, it was, I was like, this is my last shot. Mm. This is my last shot. I can't keep coming back here. This is my last shot to get it right. Mm. I'm going to do it. The nurses, you know, they come in and check on you like every half an hour and do like a body count for everyone. Mm. Um, and I'd come in and they wake you up at six o'clock in the morning. And <laughs> um, and they all would come in and be like, why aren't you like, you know, out? Like when it wasn't group time. Mm. Like, why, why aren't you out or talking or socializing? This isn't like you. This wasn't you last time. And mm. I was like, well... Because I'm taking it seriously now. I don't mm. want to befriend people from here. Like mm. I d- I'm not here to make friends. I'm here no, to fix themselves. and they're not healthy relationships to leave an inpatient clinic mm. and take those friendships out of there. Mm. I've learned that very quickly. <laughs> it's, it's not good. Mm. Yeah. You, you're all dealing with the same type of thing and it's just they're not good friendships to continue mm. on the outside world. Mm. When I say outside world... <laughs> literally mean the outside world because you're just mm. in such a bubble but you do get tvs and you're yeah. allowed to have your phone you're allowed to if they deem that you are suicidal or you have been known to self-harm or mm. you have attempted suicide in the past they make you charge your phone in the reception like the um, nurse's station mm. um you have to put when you go there you they go through all of your luggage and they write down everything that you have and they take anything and put it in a box that could be used to self-harm. So mm. I had nail polishes, you know, that would go in there. My mm. razors, my hair straighteners, my blow dries and stuff. And Shit, I'd how put... did you survive? <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my God, is this jail? <laughs> well, it, it's, it's a, no, it's interesting because, uh, again, comparing it to um, Nate's experience, his was like no TV, no gym, no mobile phones, no, no. And basically when you called the outside world, like if he'd call his wife, uh, you know, it, he wasn't allowed to ask how anyone else was going. It is no focus on you. So literally he'd be like, oh, you know, how's... so we had a, a, a school friend that was literally dying from cancer at the time. And um, he would say, you, you know, you how's up? Jay? And she goes, don't worry about Jay. It's not about Jay. It's about you. Get mm, rid of mm, mm. And he'd be like, oh, shit, okay. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah, no, it wasn't like that at all. Um, yeah. We could have visits from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. Um, visits are our lunch breaks, which is from 12 to 1. Yeah, um, yeah so we're allowed visits. Um yeah, I have a TV in my room. He even um, he was on even under, he was even under a supervised eating program. So oh wow, yeah, yeah. So it was a whole really full on, and see, so they didn't have ex like they didn't have exercise like the How exercise they had was ah oh, three years ago, oh, four okay. years ago. Um, but for him, so I mean, they didn't allow exercise in there, right? They didn't have, I'm thinking surely they've got a gym, but gym could be in, but exercise can be addictive. Mm-hmm. You can be compulsive about that. You can be addictive about that. So you can take that too far. So they don't even you anything can, that's yeah. even vaguely addictive. No, nah, doesn't happen in there. Don't even have coffee. <laughs> no coffee. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a coffee drinker. No. But 
but still, if yeah. you are, it's going to kill you. Yeah, like you'd be more like, get me out of here. <laughs> Wouldn't that drive people away? <laughs> well, yeah. The, the, I think the study is, you know, for, the, for every 50 people that go in there, two people come out and they're good. And, yeah. and, and, and okay. for a variety of reasons. This, for a variety of reasons. This is 100% true. Yeah. That places like those are revolving doors. Yeah. Every time you go there, the same people that you'd be surprised the three times that I've been there, I've seen at least three people who I've been in there the time before. Hey, you! I'm with you forever! That's your PTSD going? It's blown up, okay? <laughs> oh, it's awful. No, 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 no. I've just got garden variety depression now. Nothing yeah. else. <laughs> just, just hallucinating now. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you go, you go to number two. I'm, I'm glad that we can joke about serious oh mental health God, issues. I can. I, I do joke. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm you a bit get, of yeah. a joke star. Well, you, this is the thing. One of the things I've worked out about myself is um, somebody actually said to me, because you know me, I'm always looking for the funny line, right? Yeah, I'm always the guy I that says something that. outlandish. Somebody actually said to me a while back, what, how have you always got the funny line? And I've never thought about it, right? And I actually thought about it. And then I, I kind of came back to her and I said, you know why I've always got the funny line? She goes, why? I said, because I'm always looking for it. <laughs> like I'm always looking for the funny line. And I've worked out that humor is my coping mechanism. Oh, I've, got to, I've got to make it funny. I've got to make it funny. Me I've too. got to make a joke out of it. Me too. I make jokes about such inappropriate things. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And yep. <laughs> but, but that that makes me. Oh, that lifts my spirits. Like I just <laughs> if I can't laugh, <laughs> like come on. Yeah. And I've always been someone who loves to laugh. Yeah. Like loves it. Yeah. Love practical joke. Like just love laughing. Yeah. Um, so I got through the second time and, uh, I mean, I made it, I yeah. left, um, I left on the same medication, but bigger doses. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm currently, I am, you know, nearly three years later, I'm weaning off one of them at the moment yeah. and I have never been so sick in my entire life. Yeah. Like, head spin, like, and it's a very slow wean off. Yep. But psychotropic medication is so hard to wean off. Mm. So I'm weaning off to go on a different medication because it's no longer effective for yep. me yep. and my anxiety and depression. The other one I'm on is a mood stabilizer. Mm. So it keeps you leveled out. Yeah, <laughs> I've always thought of them. I've said this a couple of times on the podcast. I've always thought of them. Um, so you'd mentioned the head noise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's just turning the volume down on the head noise. Yeah, yeah. I always describe mine as um, when I took medication. I don't anymore. I got off it probably about maybe four or five years ago now. Um, again, supervised like a doctor's. Yeah. You know, didn't didn't yeah, just take he, stop taking it. Oh, heaven forbid, um, no one no. do that. But um, I um, I've always I always said, so for me it was like turning on a spa bath, right, and then throwing two dollars in, and saying find the two dollars, and it's almost impossible mm. to do, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, so for me the medication was like my mind was a spa bath, and the two dollars was whatever I was trying to answer I was trying mm. to find mm. for me it was turn the spa bath off and that's what the medication did yeah. and it just let me see the two dollars clearly it just let me see 
whatever was going on clearly and help me to kind of make sense of it. And that's what it did for me. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. So that hasn't been happening with my medication. Yeah. Like I'm still so anxious. Mm. You know, my depression's gotten worse over the last couple of months, mm. um, which is where my third admission came from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I started seeing signs and symptoms that, you know, I know quite well. My nightmares started coming back. My flashbacks started coming back. You know, I was just, I couldn't, I had no energy. I, you know, was crying to my mum all the time. Um, God love my mum. <laughs> the amount of times I call her crying. <laughs> she just like never knows which shay she's going to get. <laughs> and we've had a lot of... Like one of those wheels at the RSL club. Let's spit it around. See what we're gonna get. Oh shit! PTSD. Bloody hell. She's yeah. She God love her. She just yeah. And she just like we we have our we have our moments. But she's God. She's been good, real Mm. good. And she she tries. She really tries to understand it. Mm. But. She doesn't always, but she's yeah. always there for me to talk She's trying to. to figure it out. She figures it out. She does. So, we, um, so, yeah, do, am I rambling? Oh my God. No, no. I'm a rambler. So, for you, the medication and the counselling, that's now ongoing. You're, you're back in Hills a couple of months back. Yeah. To kind of, what, reset or just rejig mm-hmm. or kind so of. So, I did the outpatient programs yeah. for a while. Um. I was living in Tarmore at the time. Mm-hmm. So Tarmore to Kellyville was quite the distance. Yep. And I chose to go to the furthest mental health clinic possible. Yeah. Because I didn't want to, as we work in mental health and in disability. <laughs> didn't want to turn up there and go, oh, shit, that's a yes, bunch of people it's I my know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, clients. Because <laughs> I do, like, a lot of my clients you know, would go to the local mental health facility. And I was like, I can't. Yeah. So I wanted to go as further away as possible. So that's why I chose to go to Kellyville. But then to maintain that outpatient program. So it was group therapy. Um, It was what we were doing in, in, in patients. But you just did it like once a week Mm. from like 5.30 to 8.30. And it was just, just. There's nothing closer. Yes, there is. Not quite the same though. Um, And when I talk about it with my psychiatrist, he says like you'll have to sign up at a different clinic and stuff. And that kind of means that like he isn't my psychiatrist anymore. So I'm still willing to do the long haul. And the, the group therapies weren't, I wasn't vibing them. Like mm. it just, you know, yeah, you finish work, you're just like, got to talk about your feelings. And mm. I just was just so sick of talking about my feelings. <laughs> um, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I, it just got a little bit, um, I don't know what the word is. I mean, no, uh, you know, it's more again. Like, it, like, an, like it was a chore. Yeah, yeah. And it shouldn't have been like that. Yeah. And I probably. When I first started off in the Phoenix program, which is a program for people with addictions. Yeah. Um, 
because in the past I have used um, like benzodiazepams um, and opioids at times to mask my feelings. Mm. So when I'd be like super happy and, you know, life was great and people would be like, you know, oh, she's totally fine. It's because Mm. I totally was fine. Because you're high. (laughs) 100%. Yeah. 100%. yeah, so I talk about um, I think addiction is a really interesting thing, and the, and the funny thing about that is so again I'm you know I reference mm. Nate a lot of this, but there's parallels in your stories. Oh, I it, could tell that from the get go. They had to do ninety days. They had to, they, they had to once they left. They had to do ninety Alcoholics Anonymous meetings in ninety days. Yeah, wow. So he had to go to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting every day, and he goes to a couple a week. Um, he sponsors a bunch of people. So good. When, when everyone was Zooming AA meetings, he goes, I went to a meeting in San Diego just because I could. <laughs> I <laughs> and I was like, what, you Zoomed in on this random meeting in San Diego? Oh yep. people are Zoomed Zooming in on random meetings. Random meetings, meetings so in San funny. Diego. I love it. Because I'd heard about it and I got the Zoom link. Somebody that sent it to me. so funny. I love um, that. So he did like three Zoom meetings in a night because he did one here, one in Melbourne and one in San Diego. At all different times of the night. Question, eh? Need but um, <laughs> but um, it, it's a, it, and it's an interesting thing because for him, what he talks about is the experience of having to do that. Like you talked about, there was an element of it being a chore, but he talked about the experience of having to do that. He had to. It, it actually was part of the thing that kept him on the straight and narrow. It yeah. kept him working the process. It mm-hmm. kept him in that mode. Mm-hmm. Be- um, because I kept life didn't change when I got out. Mm. So even the second time I went straight back into work, Mm. my daily routine stayed the same Mm. as when I wasn't in there. I wasn't practicing my skills that I had learned in there. You learn a lot of Mm. skills. Um, So you're doing that stuff now? Is that that something you worked out? Yeah. So a lot of like mindfulness and, Mindfulness, um, gratitude, all the usual suspects. Yeah. They're my favourites, though. They work. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I remember one time I was in group and I was in the Phoenix program, which is the addiction program, and I was still inactive. Hmm. And, you know, I... Yeah, I just started having a panic attack in there and... You know, I, I just said, I've I got to go home. But they knew where I lived and they knew that that wasn't mm. safe for me to leave right mm. then. Mm. So both the facilitators, you know, put the put the class on hold and came out to me. And one of their strategies when you're having a really big panic attack and you can't calm yourself down is changing your body temperature. Mm. Um, you know, that shock, mm-hmm. like shock your body. Yep. So they made me for 15 minutes, dunk my head. Mammalian... Uh in a massive tub of iced yep. water. Lowers your blood pressure. Yeah, and it, I just loved, loved it. Like it just, mm. I could calm down and I could speak and I just kept dunking my head, dunking my head, dunking my head and it worked. Mm. Like there's just, and then. I think it's called a mammalian shock response. Asher actually, um, who is our new number one episode, she actually talked about it in a couple of episodes ago. So I didn't. I actually <laughs> I didn't know about it until like literally a month back, and, and yeah. this is like the second time I've heard about it. But they yeah, say like um, increase your heart rate, mm. you know, change your body temperature, all that kind of stuff. So yep. go for a big run. Yeah, 
do lots of sit-ups. Yeah. Go and have a cold, cold shower. Like, yeah. don't even put any hot water on it. Yep. You, that, and that's what you focus on. Yeah. So when I have panic attacks, that is what I do. Um, uh, when I am just feeling a little bit anxious, um, I do... Yeah, like I do... Um, I listen to the Calm app, yep, um, which helps. Mm-hmm. It helps put me to sleep, because um, you know when you're quite anxious, your mind's racing and all mm. that kind of stuff. Um, I do that, and then they also teach you to do opposite action. Um, so, you know, instead of what you normally would do in your mm. day, do the complete opposite. Mm. Um, which is, which is good for distraction. Um, but then they say you have to be really careful, distraction and avoidance. Mm. Don't get the two confused. Avoidance Mm. is absolutely not what we want to do. We just need to distract in that moment. Mm. So go and look at five things, go and just change your focus, change change your your inputs. Yeah. Just say what, you know. Everything starting with the letter S, look outside. What, what, like, name five things that start with the letter S, that mm. kind of thing. Like, that, that's a good one too that I use. Mm. Um, yeah, so they're, they're strategies that I learned in there and they do work. They do. I also, um, you just got to do them. You do. <laughs> and you have to make it a bit, you know, and sometimes, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty bad for it. Um, where I just feel sorry for myself and, yeah. So, I, I got discharged four weeks ago now. Yep. Um, from my fourth... Third. Third admission. Thank you. <laughs> um, One of us has got to keep school. Please. <laughs> <laughs> One of us has got to pay Look, attention I'm to this conversation. I just always say it's the medication. <laughs> and everyone's like, but you're like nearly off it all. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's still the medication. medication. <laughs> <laughs> uh. um, but back on that, like weaning off medication is really hard. Like mm. really, really hard. Mm. Like it makes you like violently ill. Yeah. Like your head races. Like you, you like nearly pass out. Like I actually... Like felt like I had an out of body experience the other day, and but I think it, w- it was just all in my head because mm. I had gotten to a certain point of weaning off my medication, mm. and I was like, no, no, my body can't cope without it. Like I got to have my medication, yeah. um, and it turns out I was just having a panic attack. Um, mm. After all that, I was like, you know, my sister works at a pharmacy, and I was in Tamil. She was in Vargo and I was like, you've got to take my temperature. I'm going to pass out. Mm. My heart rate's racing through my body. Um, My head is going to explode. Like I'm actually dying. Like something's seriously wrong with me. Um, Shook my blood pressure was fine. Heart rate was okay. (laughs) I'm like, okay. She's like, just go next door to the doctor and, you know, see what they say. I'm like, you've got to get me right now. (laughs) I'm going to die. (laughs) This is the worst as anyone's ever been. <laughs> Seriously. I'm a bit of a hypochondriac. But in that moment, I was yeah. like, this is... 100%. I'm so sick. Like, this is because of my medication, you know, et cetera. But, yeah, it was a really big panic attack um, that I 
didn't see as a panic attack. Because you kind of, when you have panic attacks, and I don't know, do you have you Not really, no. No, yeah. Cer- certainly I think I get anxiety, but I don't, no. Yeah, so when you experience panic attacks, it's like when you think of something, like an, a sort of panic attack could be where you think that you're going to pass out or you know you're gonna get a big you've got a big rash or you got something and then or you've got a stomach bug and then you actually get those real symptoms Mm, mm, like mm. it's so like they panic attacks come in all sorts of different shapes and sizes it's just like a packet of chips like just like a lucky dip yeah (laughs) yeah i haven't (laughs) had the lucky dip i tend to um I, I, my skin goes bad across my nose, across mm. like my, my front of my nose. Um, I get real oh, forgetful when my mental health. And what else good. do we have in common? <laughs> the, the cold sores. Oh, that's right. Yes, you we're get the, the cold sores. We're the cold sore yeah. couple. I haven't had one of those for a while, but yeah, that's Maybe your immune that. system down. Yeah. Um, oh, I actually had one not long ago. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and the other one I get is um, it, oh, I need to go to the toilet a lot. Yeah, mm. like the body just goes, like, you need to go four times today. Yeah. 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 And yeah. you don't get a choice. No. <laughs> no yeah. No, I'm with you on that no, one. No, I had a near miss. Recently. <laughs> 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 had a couple of times where I... Really anxious and yeah. I just was like, oh my God. Put it this way, I've had a one or two times where I've had to duck up to Campbelltown more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say that yeah, more. when I like worked at M- MDS, everyone just knew like this was my cubicle. Don't come in. <laughs> Sleep shade to her own devices. devices. Well, until it's safe, <laughs> because she's just so anxious today. <laughs> so if there's a but if there's a woman listening to this now and she's hearing your story and she's going, shit, that sounds like me. What do you say to her? Okay, so just firstly, I feel like my story is really jumbled. It's all right. Right now. I still reckon people are going to hit it. And don't worry, I've got an idea. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you have an idea. Um, you are an ideas man. Mm. So, okay. If you can relate to my story, like you just got to find that one person that regardless of what you do, what you say how much, you know, how low you are, how if you're in active addiction, if you're in active DV, if you are, you know, you've lost yourself, if if you are finding any signs and symptoms of just not being okay, like you just have to find that just one person, just one person. In this instance, it was my mum. And I knew that she would just love me regardless of what I told her. Mm. Um, and just, just, you just got to tell, you just have to tell someone, like mm. just one person. You don't mm. need to tell the world um, eventually if you want to, you know, do it. Um, you, you need someone in your corner. You need to know that. And when that person asks you, how are you going, mate? Say, I'm not good. 100%. People, yeah, people say like, how are you? And I say... I'm okay. Mm. <laughs> I haven't mastered the I'm not good today. Mm. 
some to some people, yes. Like mm. when my mum rings me over the morning, she'll always check in. Yeah. How are you today? I say I'm not. I'm not good today. I'm just not good. I'm not feeling well. And when she, when I say I'm not feeling well, she knows I mean mentally well. Mm. Um, and be yeah, just be <laughs> honest. Like now, p- people know me, and I say I'm o. When I just say I'm okay, mm. it means I'm not. Mm. But that's that's not for everyone, and that's just what I've built with my circle that they n- know that I'm not okay when I say I'm just okay and I feel like that's contradictory to what um, you know are you okay day and all those kinds of things but I think it's a confidence thing as well I reckon it's the secret the secret is is that someone says you're hey going mate right the lady at Coles says hey going mate and you're about to buy ham off her <laughs> doesn't need to hear a metal whole story <laughs> Um, your coworker probably doesn't need to hear your mental no. health story, but your mum. And the secret is, I think you're on being on the money. This is what I think. You find the people, the group of people, the three or four, the five or six, yeah. however many people, it's the one person mm. who, when they say to you, "Hey, go and Shay," you go, mm, "Not good." Yeah. Because everyone else doesn't need to hear it. No. And it's okay to go. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm cool. I'm good yeah. today. Mm. Yep, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Yeah. Um, I still love the, I still love Nate's line where he walked. You know, I've said this a number of times where he walked into a mental health facility and they went, "Hey, go, mate." And he goes, "I'm good." And he goes, "No, you're not. Yeah. You're in a mental health facility." <laughs> um, but but it, I, I think the secret is you find that you find that person and and you not everyone needs to hear Just, story. Yeah, and for me, it's my mom, my sisters. So I have three sisters. Um, we're all around the same age. Yep. Um, and I can just be really honest with them yep. and say, they'll say, you know, they'll message me, even my cousins, you know, mm. a couple of really close cousins. They're the people that I can say honestly that I'm, I'm not good. Mm. And sometimes I'll even like call a lifeline and like not literally, but like call one of them and say like I've got like a little like go-to plan that I have when okay if I'm feeling like this like Mm. I'll call this person if I'm feeling Mm. this way I'll call this person if mum doesn't answer I go to this person next um it's yeah it's worked for me and and me and my mum have a thing she calls me you know twice a day and says how are you and you know, I either say I'm okay, and she knows. Okay, she's mm. she she's getting by. She's mm. she's all right. Mm. Um, if I say I don't feel well, she knows. I I I mean mentally. Mm. Yeah. So we have that, and I I say it to my sisters too. Like, you know, my sister called me yesterday, and I was just feeling so sick and really anxious and stuff. And mm. you know, as soon as I heard her voice, I just started crying. She was mm. like, "What's happened?" Like, what? Like, what's happened? I'm like, I just don't feel well. Mm. And then she knows, okay, this is where I listen. This is where I, you know, go and have a cold shower. This mm. is where I, you know, start doing my little... Little rituals that you need to rituals. do to look after your mouth. Yeah, so she's like, okay, like, they'll know. Like, have you done this? Have you done have, that? Yeah, they'll do yeah. my checklist. Um, it's really worked for me, but it, it, it takes time. It takes 
confidence. It takes years to, I hope not for people's sake, that it takes this long to actually make time for you, make Mm. time to get well. Um, I I hope it it doesn't, you know, take as long as it took me. Mm. Um, But... You know, that that's my journey and my journey took me, you know, 12, 10, 12, 11 years to, to really figure out who I am, not to be ashamed that I have bad days, not to be ashamed of my anxiety, not to be ashamed of my borderline personality. People think borderline personality is like this split personality. You have like five different personalities and that's absolutely not the case. Um, I, 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 I think of it as bipolar but quicker. Yeah. You go ooh, up and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like it, it just, just find that one person. Just one person. It's all you need. I think it's a nice spot to leave it on. Thank goodness for mums, huh? <laughs> Shay, thank you for sharing. Thank you so much. Thanks. Hello, folks. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of our podcast. Uh, before I go, could I please ask uh, just a couple of small favours? Number one, uh, we would very much, as we said at the start, love for you to review this podcast. And, of course, please share this podcast. Um, the reviews help us to... Uh, help other people to see what this podcast is about and of course the sharing helps us to get our message out there we don't have any money so we're really relying on uh, social media to be able to spread this message Uh, equally if you listen to this podcast now we do a warning at the start but if you listen to this podcast and anything uh, triggered for you or it made you think about your own mental health or well-being or someone who you loves mental health or well-being please Uh, take steps to help to either manage that yourself or to support someone to manage their mental health Uh, if you do feel like you are need to talk to somebody uh, and you can't talk to friends or family please go and see your gp or of course you can call beyond blue on 1300 224636 men's line australia on 1300 789978 lifeline on 13 11 14 or, of course, the Kids Helpline on one eight hundred double five one eight double zero. If you or someone that you love is in immediate danger, please call triple O. Uh, but at the very least, please um, find a way to manage your mental health and your mental health conditions, and please support the people that you love to manage their mental health and mental health conditions. And again, if something you've heard today triggers for you, please go and seek um, some support uh, immediately to manage your mental health condition, whether that's one of the helplines we just mentioned or the GP. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.